pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. The Replacements, coming up on The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a podcast about movies. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another great episode. Am I glad to be here with y'all? Am I glad that y'all are tuning in? As always, you're in for a special one. And this one is very special. And I just don't know how to say it's special. Well, this one really surprised me. Can't even lie. But... We'll, got, we'll dive into that a little bit later. The Replacements came out August 11, 2000. The overview of the film. Owner of the Washington Sentinels, a professional football team, hires a head coach and a ragtag of replacement players during a football strike to play the last four games of the season and to try to help get his franchise into the playoffs in over seven years. So the cast, we have Keanu Reeves as Shane Falco, Gene Hackman as Coach Jimmy McGinty, Brooke Langton as Annabelle Farrell, Orlando Jones as Clifford Franklin, Faison Love as Jamal, Michael Talaferro as Andre, Ace Yona, Yona Mine, Yona Mine, I don't know, it's something like that, as Fumiko, Troy Winbush as Walter Co- Cochran, David Denham as Brian Murphy, John Favreau as Bateman, Michael Jace as Wilkinson, Reese Efans as Nigel Gruff, Brett Cullen as Eddie Martell, and finally, Jack Warden as Edward O'Neill, the owner. So the budget of this film, it was an estimated $50 million. And box office-wise, it didn't do so hot. Um, it, I guess, barely made even, barely broke even. Uh, war- worldwide gross is uh, also fifty million, including an eleven million opening weekend and forty-four million in the U.S. So, I like I like I was trying to say earlier. You know, this one this one surprised me. I know uh, a lot of critics out there that would tune into my show with like, look at me sideways or something but i enjoyed this movie man i didn't think this movie was a bad movie but apparently it is i enjoyed all the acting i enjoyed uh keanu reeves acting as a quarterback as quarterback shane falco gene hackman as jimmy mcginty you could say the early prototype of bill belichick and tom brady um like i mean there's like a line a line that i like a lot is when coach mcginty is talking to shane falco he's like hey coach why me? Why'd you pick me? And coach goes, when I look at you, I see two people, the man you are and the man you have to be. One day, 
those two men will meet and will make one hell of a football player. I don't know what's wrong with that. I fuck, I fucks with that line, man. I don't, I just I just don't get it. But uh, continuing on with the reviews, like I said, it was a it was a bad movie. Kind of hurt my feelings. Got an ugly red score, thirty out of one hundred on Metascore. Uh, 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is what I mess with. The 66% audience score. So I can't be the only one that like that loves this movie, man. Like, like, like the audience score does. I agree with that audience score. That's a good audience score. Couple of the reviews. Lightweight, but likable football story. The football games are a hoot. There isn't a football cliche the replacements doesn't tackle but it's all-star cast and easygoing approach make it make it one of the more enjoyable recent sports comedies fun and innocent film you can't fault a film that really doesn't attempt to be anything remotely serious keanu reese is good and hackman is always a great backbone pity the film didn't make more box office as this was a good film i agree with that guy i definitely agree with that guy uh oh, I don't agree. I don't agree with this one though. One of the worst things I've ever had the misfortune of watching. Cliche writing, terrible acting. This movie gets very little right. It's absolutely awful, and even Gene Hackman can't carry it across the goal line. And the last one, the worst movie of the new millennium. Like damn. Come on now, the replacements, the replacements is not that bad. I can think of a million other movies that are bad in this movie. And some of those movies will be on here that are worse than this. There's one already worse. The one that we just did, the previous episode, Ready to Rumble. That was a whole lot worse than the replacements. Come on, man. All right. But anyways, moving on. Movie awards. There's not any. Um, but I'll give it a thumbs up. I'll give it a thumbs up award, okay? You get a Kevin thumbs up award replacements. You are an amazing football film. I don't care what anybody says. You are a great football film, okay? Oh, uh, you have great football scenes in there. Never, I actually believe it. I actually buy into Keanu Reeves being a real quarterback out here. And um, you know, at least they don't get like any type of bad movie uh, awards because I know they have some. Like the Razzies that are like give out awards to specifically bad movies and bad movies only. So this one didn't get anything. I'm fine with it. It got my, it got a, uh, an award from me though. So what makes this movie stand out? Well, I think personally that it's a lot of movies wrapped into one. You have a sports movie. You have a comedy movie and a romantic movie in The Replacements. As you have Shane Falco trying to be the quarterback or a quarterback slash leader of this odd personality team and also having a relationship with the head cheerleader of the Washington Sentinels. And uh, it's just like everything in this movie. It's like I feel like there's like a lot going on with this movie, but it's still great. To me, I just love the story and how these replacement players are like playing their hearts out because when you play football 
or any other sport, you got to have heart. Miles and miles of heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said it. You got to have heart. Miles and miles of heart. All right? And it, it's like, it's just, um. and these replacement players really are giving it everything they got because they know after these four games are over with, their career is pretty much over with, and they got to go back to their regular jobs and back to their regular life, and they can't be football players anymore. So, my first time watching this, I want to say I I saw this when I was like mm, in the third grade. I see a lot of I see I, I got really introduced to a lot of movies when I was in the third grade, third second 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 third grade around that area, around that time in my life. So my mom dropped me off at like a family friend's house to, so they could like babysit me and my brother. And um, I remember they had HBO. So I watched this movie on HBO because they was always playing this movie, Ready to Rumble and Gladiator. Those three movies were always on rotation on HBO. I mean, of course I had a bunch of other movies playing, but I mainly remember these three movies being played. And uh, yeah, just first time watching watching it on HBO, and I immediately fell in love with this film. I love everything about it, and if the Washington Sentinels were a real football team, I would definitely be a fan. I mean, I wouldn't ditch my Cleveland Browns, but you know, I keep the Washington Sentinels on the side. Like, oh, okay, okay. Tales from the script. So, most of my facts came from IMDb.com, and I try to find other facts, but mainly it was just the same thing that they had on IMDb. First fact I have. During filming, I don't know if this is true or not, kind of sounds a little bit iffy, but we're going to go with it anyways. During filming, Keanu Reeves was offered a tryout with the Baltimore Ravens. And that year, the Baltimore Ravens would eventually go on to win Super Bowl less than six months after the film's release. Do you guys believe that? I mean, Keanu Reeves, like I said earlier, Keanu Reeves, uh, I buy into him as a quarterback, but I don't really know if this is really true. It just doesn't sound right. But, you know, it's all right. It's all right. We're just going to keep it there. It is a tale from the script. And we want to move on to the other, we'll move on to the other tale or slash fact. The Washington Sentinels team is loosely based on the 1987 replacement Washington Redskins team who won all three of their replacement games or, or I think they call them scab games. The real Redskins returned for week seven through all the way through to the Super Bowl in which they won that Super Bowl. After winning that Super Bowl, the franchise rarely, if ever, gave the replacement players any credit for the team's success. Because that those teams, like that, that um replacement team, Washington Redskins, beat some real like be some real contenders, including at the time, um, 
the Dallas Cowboys, who were really tough. So, you know, it was surprising that they didn't give them any credit. Like, they did their thing. Like, like the, the season could have easily turned upside down. But these uh these replacement Redskins, they did their thing, man. For real. But continue on with the fact, uh, when the Redskins players received their Super Bowl rings, none of the replacement players received a ring. Even though it was said that they had that, even though it was said, that had they not won their games, their team may not have made the playoffs, let alone win the Super Bowl. And I, I, it was long overdue. I'm about to read this last part to you guys, but it was long overdue. And I saw this on YouTube, and I recommend that you guys watch this too, at least for like the real football heads. However, after 30 years, the Redskins are finally going to recognize the replacements players' contribution and finally give them their Super Bowl rings. This one this was announced in March of 2018. And I saw they had like that they had all the replacement players in a meeting in a I guess like a in like in a team meeting room. Doug Williams OG came out there and gave them their rings. And then, like I said it was long overdue. 30 years later, like come on man. They deserve they deserve more than that. They won all three of the games. Like, come on, man. Won all three. The film is set in Washington, D.C., but was filmed and around Baltimore, including the Baltimore Ravens Stadium. So I guess that kind of ties in. By the way, I don't even know if Keanu Reeves took that tryout. I should find that out. That'd be really interesting. The teams played by the Washington Sentinels in the film mirror the teams the Redskins played during the 1987 Scab Games, including a Dallas team where all the regular starters crossed the picket line and returned. So I kind of, after learning after learning about, because I, I learned about the Redskins, I learned about the replacement Redskins a long time ago. Um, as a matter of fact, I watched the uh, thirty for thirty about them, and that was, and that was a really good thirty for thirty. Had no idea that it was because I was watching this. I was watching that thirty for thirty the entire time, thinking to myself, "Wow, the replacement did the replacements really uh, copy copy their formula from this team?" And sure enough, as a, as the uh, thirty for thirty kept going along, it showed that the um, it showed that the uh, replacement move the replacements. Got their idea from this team. So also watch that 30 for 30. It's pretty good. Uh, watch that Watch that 30 for 30 and then go to YouTube and watch OG Doug Williams give out that his uh, give out the Super Bowl rings to this Redskins uh, replacement team. Earl Wilkinson. He was a uh, Earl Wilkinson was the replacement player that was um. And that was serving time, and then he got the, he got like a little bit of a release pro like a work release program to play with the Washington Sentinels. So Earl Earl Wilkinson is based on Tony Robinson, who was a replacement quarterback for the Washington Redskins in the game against the Dallas Cowboys during the 1987 NFL strike. 
Robinson was an inmate on work release, and he was allowed to play that one game and led the Redskins to a 13-7 victory on Monday Night Football. It was one of the biggest upsets of the 1987 season. Robinson was eventually released from prison in 2012. So OG Tony Robinson, congrats, man, for being released. Hope life is going good for you. Hope uh, hope everything going good for you right now. I mean, obviously, with obviously we're in some bad times, but that's pretty dope and unbelievable. You had a you had a real inmate come in to play against the Dallas Cowboys, and then not only did he play against him, but took it to him, thirteen to seven. All right, and one of the biggest upsets. Okay. And the last fact I have here is I don't know how true this is too because it just pretty much sounds basic and plain. I need a little bit more detail. There was uh, talks for a sequel, but plans fell through. How would this sequel have have, uh, panned out? I need to I need to know a little bit more details because it just does not sound it just sounds a little bit uh iffy to me. But moving on, things I would change about this film. So I have a couple of things, you know. This uh, uh as a football fan, I'm kind of watching this and I'm just like, uh, this really wouldn't pass. So, but uh I'll dive into that soon. The first thing I would get, I would change about this film is that I would get rid of the locker room scene between uh, Martell and Falco. Now, during the scene, Eddie Martell, he crosses the line and, he, and he's not on strike anymore. So, Falco is broken. Uh, is told by Coach Jimmy McGinty that Eddie Martell crossed and that he'll be starting against Dallas. So Falco goes into the locker room to grab his stuff, take it out, and Eddie Martell comes in and they start. He starts. He starts basically just just bashing him. Eddie Martell starts bashing Shane Falco and everything. I'm like, okay, you know, I get this because. Uh, you're like a somewhat of an antagonist in this film, and you know you're going. You're out here to show that you just don't like Falco and that you have no respect for him. But the one thing that I didn't like is where Martel says, "Oh, you know," is or Martel says she deserves better, Falco. So we see Falco grabbing his stuff. And he's walking out of the locker room and he says, um, you're a real class act. You're a real class act, Martel. And he turns to Falco and he says, she deserves better, Falco. He's just dragging her down with you. First off, how do you know he was dating the cheerleader? And uh, the head cheerleader? And second, why do you care? Like, I've watched this film Frontwards and back. And I don't see no type of uh, 
relationship, not even a scene or two, where Martell and uh, the the Annabelle Annabelle Farrell, the head cheerleader, are talking with each other. Like I don't see nothing like that. No interactions, nothing. So this is why it threw me off. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Why do you care? Oh, all of a sudden now you are involved with her or something? Like now you care about her? It doesn't make any sense. I didn't know where this came from. I guess it was just him trying to be uh, belittle Shane Falco even more, like step on his neck even more. I don't know. I just I just never got that scene. I just never got that line. I just would have got rid of that scene completely. Or at least maybe just get rid of that line at least. Um, some other things I would change is there's a scene where this is near the end of the film too. This is a scene where Shane Falco comes back, and you know they're down, they're down, and um, halftime, halftime comes for the last game between Washington and Dallas, and they're down at at the half. Martell is going off on everybody in the locker room. Shane walks in and he suits up, takes over Martell's place. And the first play of the second half, the Sentinels offense fights the Dallas defense. And I'm talking about they 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 whoop their ass. Alright. He says hut, and they all just break off and they start whooping everybody's ass. Um I'm pretty sure that would lead to Washington forfeiting the game. Am I right? Or at least having their whole starting offense disqualified, costing the game even more. So, yeah, I don't. I just didn't buy into that scene. I'm like, okay, come on, man. That, that scene was really unnecessary. Like I said, I don't understand why that needed to happen. How was um another thing I had was how was how was Falco able to enter the stadium after the game had started and Martell's a QB? Like wouldn't security have specific instructions to let him in? Let's just alter that a little bit. Uh to where I don't know, he's kept around as a as a backup QB. That way he was there the entire time and it makes it more believable. You know, that's just that's just me thinking. I don't know. I don't know, it's just just what I would suggest. Why wasn't his girlfriend upset with him for standing her up on their dinner date? Like, you know, she was happy to. This is like the. This is because Thaco stands her up when he finds out Martel is uh has crossed the line, and then the scene that I talked about there, the locker room scene between Martel and, and Falco. You know, then he leaves, and then like he's. He's all he's all alone drinking beer and stuff, and his girlfriend is just uh, waiting for him, waiting for him at I guess I guess at her bar, and he, you know she has like a candlelight dinner going on, and she like blows the candles out, and then, like I think that scene pretty much ends from there. And she wasn't upset with him at all; she was happy to see him come back from halftime, and. She was trying to, to explain to him. Like, she had a big, huge smile. And then she was trying to explain to him what was going on in the game. And then he just straight up 
makes out with her in front of everybody. Like, I don't know. Me personally, I think I think if this was realistic, she would be pretty upset. Like, why didn't you show up? Why didn't you comment about Martel coming back from strike? Why this and why that? Like, that don't make sense. She would have been upset. A real, I, at least I believe she would have been upset. Uh, I would fix that loophole or, or at least work around that or something, you know. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much all I would change, really. I mean, there are some other, real, like, un, unrealistic scenes, like, where Shane Falco tells one of his linemen to let the linebacker through, and he lets the linebacker through, and then he, like, pelts him in the head with a foot, with the football. I just... Mm. There's just some realistic things. Uh, a fixed fumble. A fixed slash planned fumble. That doesn't work neither, you know? Top five. So, my number one. I have the bar fight scene. Because I believe I I like that bar fight scene. I thought it was pretty cool. There's a lot going on in this bar fight scene. So let me try to give you like a little bit of a background information in the scene. So the team is at this I guess local regular bar, and this is like when they first came back, or like their first game together, their first game playing together, and they took an L. So they're all sitting at the bar drinking and whatnot. Then the players on strike come into the bar, led by Eddie Martel. And Eddie Martel starts making fun of a, a deaf guy, which is not really that hasn't uh, aged out well, you know, especially in today's society. So he makes fun of a deaf guy. Shane Falco walks up to him and tells him to knock it off. And one thing leads to another. Martel throws the first punch. Then then Falco re- returns the punch. And then the whole, both both teams, players on strike and the replacement players, get into a whole big, crazy bar fight in which Nigel, the kicker, kicks a guy in the balls and says, let's play football, bitch. Jamal grabs a guy, one alignment. Jamal, he grabs a guy and slides him down the whole bar. Walter Cochran is saying Bible verses while beating the shit out of a guy. Uh, like I said, there's a lot going on in the scene, and it's great. Uh, we have we have crazy, uh, crazy. SWAT officer guy, DEA, I don't know what he was, but Bateman, the linebacker, throwing uh, Eddie Martell around like a damn rag doll, yelling, who's the man? Who's the man? And just beating the shit out of him. This scene is just great. I love it. It's hilarious. My number two. It gotta be Coach Jimmy McGinty and his positive outlook on things. First things first, I'm going to go ahead and just say, Coach Jim McGinney, he's amazing, man. 
and I, I love Coach Jimmy McGinney. Um, honestly, sorry about that. I, honestly, I will put him in my top five movie coaches of all time. He got to be up in there, man. I'm not putting the coach from Friday Night Lights up in my top five because he lit because he kept playing Booby Miles when he shouldn't have been been, been playing Booby Miles. I want to put Denzel Washington up in there. He deserves to be up in there for my for my movie football coaches. Maybe any given Sunday, the head coach in there by Al Pacino, played by Al Pacino, maybe. But Al Pacino didn't really even believe. And Willie Beeman. And he kept letting uh, Lawrence Taylor with his concussion ass. He kept playing him. It's like, bro, you need to step up. He just he was letting people walk all over him. Like, nah, bro. It got to be Jimmy McGinty. Got to be. Like, I, I need somebody to argue with me with football movies. All right? I need somebody to argue with me about football movie football coaches. If you want to put Denzel number one, fine. Go ahead. But Jimmy McGinty has to be in the top five. Think about it. For those that have seen the replacements, think about it, man. He was such a great coach in the film and had such a, like I said, like I said, he had such a positive outlook on things. A couple of a, a couple of examples. One of his coaches says about Shane Falco saying that he hasn't played in a long time. To which he replies. He must be well-rested then. He must be well-rested then. Everybody would be like, oh, he, yeah, he's really rusty. He's really rusty, blah, blah, blah. He didn't even say that. He just said that he's well-rested. So he's ready to go. One of the, there's like a scene where like um, the team's in a huddle and people are throwing up in the, like the other players are throwing up in the huddle. So Shane tells the huddle to move. And so that's the, 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 the whole huddle starts shuffling, right? Um, they, they start uh, moving during this game, shuffling during this game. His assistant says, what are they doing? And coach replies saying, look at it this way. It's our first time working together as a team. Like, come on. You know, the, the, what I said earlier, what he, the, the line he said to Shane Falco earlier, you know, when I look at you, I see two people, the man you are and the man you ought to be. One day, those two men will meet and will make one hell of a football player. Like, he believes in this team. He's all bought in, and because he's all bought in, I'm all bought in, too. He is my head coach. I want to go to war with this guy. All right? I like I like I'll just love his uh, personality and his lines in this movie, and to me, he just brings a great persona to a great persona to this movie. And like the last thing I gotta go off of is my favorite line of his is where um the last game of the scene, I mean the last game of the movie. He they're like the team is going into the locker room because it's halftime, and he stopped by a reporter for a quick halftime interview. She asked him, 
What does the team need to work on or change into the half? His reply, memorable. They need to have heart. And then he and then she says, could you elaborate? And then he pounds on his chest. Heart. They need to have heart. Miles and miles of heart. I don't know what that miles and miles means, but I'm with it. Like, yeah. Yeah, y'all need to bring miles and miles of heart. You dumbos. Like, I buy into it, man. Jimmy McGinty. Coach Jimmy McGinty. I mess with you and your positive outlook on things and your and your great lines. So that's my number two. My number three. The characters of this team are great, slash amazing, slash awesome, slash wonderful, slash anything positive you got to say about them, that's what they are. For example, I'm break down some of the I want to break down some of the characters or more of the characters in this in this movie. So, like I said earlier, you have Bateman, who is played by John Favreau. And for those of you who don't know, directed the Iron Man movies and the Mandalorian series. I mean, John Favreau is doing is doing his thing right now. He's making his money right now. He's also uh what's his name? Happy Hogan, who was like, I guess uh Iron Man's assistant. And I just been making money doing that. Bateman, I got like I said, I'm not sure what he is. I should look at it, look into it a little bit more. But Bateman is a SWAT officer who gets caught up to play linebacker for the Sentinels, and he's just a hyperactive character. He hits his QB Shane Falco during practice twice, and introduces himself by doing that. He uh, knocks out his own kicker during the game for making a field goal. And it's unbelievable, but yet awesome. Wide receiver. Cliff and Franklin going to go up with it. Cliff and Franklin going to come down with it. <laughs> Clifford Franklin, y'all. Clifford, Frank- Clifford Franklin has the ultimate speed. But zero hands, and I just love this character. You know, he he gets very intimidated by other players too. It's like the um, when he's playing against Dallas, he's he's lined up against their linebacker, which I don't know why they would put a linebacker on a wide receiver. But anyways, he was lined up against a linebacker, and the linebacker looked at him, and then uh, put his finger up to his neck, and then like crossed his. Uh, cross his finger across his neck. And then Clifford Franklin gets to his attention saying, hey, bro, uh, 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 I, w- I would love to get your autograph after the game. And then the linebacker replies saying, you want it? You got a scab? So I, I like it. What, what else he said? Oh, when he gets his confidence back into the second half, he goes, Clifford Franklin looking for a brand new hoe. And then he looks right into his direction. I love it. We have another character, Earl Wilkins, who I was talking about earlier, plays safety and is serving time, so get that work release, that work release program. Nigel, the leg, gruff, smokes smoking a cigarette on on the field 
while attempting to kick a field goal. Uh, so there's just so many different characters. We had like the linemen, the two brother linemen. Cause I get, and it was funny because they didn't work out together in the league because once one got traded, they both fell apart. Just uh, just so many great, funny, different characters. And me personally, I think they did an amazing job with this because this is uh, there is some truth to this, you know, to every locker room, no matter what sport. There's always that one character, at least that one character that's just like, oh, what's up with this guy? You know, so that works. That, That just plays out to me. Number four. The football scenes in this movie are 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 pretty good, especially the way Keanu Reeves plays quarterback. Like I said earlier, I totally buy into the football scenes. I, I buy into the hits. I buy into how everybody plays their respective position. It's just awesome. And my last one, number five, the end scene. You know, the end scene is great because you have Coach McGinty's interview, the heart, miles and miles of heart. Uh, you have Shane Falco coming back uh, to the second half of the game, and he has that he has that huddle speech. I would say something classy and inspirational, but that's just not our style. Pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. And you have one lineman get hyped up. Right on, Shane. Right on, Shane. So I, I mess with that. Let, let my QB, Mr. Devin Jordan, say something like that to me. Next play, I'm packing at somebody. Right on, Devin. Right on, Devin. So, yeah. After that, after that uh huddle speech, you know, they go on to win the game and help the uh franchise make it to the playoffs. Then Jimmy McGinty, Coach Jimmy McGinty, delivers a great voiceover monologue or speech in which he says, when the Washington Sentinels left the stadium that day, there was no uh, ticker tape parade, no endorsement deals for sneakers or soda pop or breakfast cereal, just a locker to be cleaned out and a ride home to catch. But what they didn't know was that their lives had been changed forever because they had been part of something great and greatness no matter how brief stays with a man every athlete dreams of a second chance these men lived it i love that shit i love it i don't know how anybody would criticize it am i just is it just me help me help me please i don't get it i need some uh clarity around here I do want to give out uh, two special shout-outs real quick. I want to give out um, – one of them I want to give out is the scene where they are in jail. This happens right after the bar fight so or bar brawl. And they're in jail, and they bond while in jail by doing the electric slide, doing the electric slide to the song I Will Survive. I forgot who was that who, – who made that song, but – it was like a 70s song. Y'all know it. 
And they do the same electric slide again at the end of the film where they win the game. They do the electric slide in the, in the end zone. So I like that. And the last scene I want to shout out is the is the fear scene. So in this scene, the team is having a meeting and coach asks everybody what they are afraid of. So they all start saying, saying little like silly answers like um, I'm scared of spiders and it's like, the spiders on the field coach and somebody said i'm scared of bees and everybody looks at them bees bees so they you know they start uh they start doing that and then falco breaks it up and says quicksand and Clifford franklin chimes in a little bit you know oh yeah i'm scared of quicksand too and coach cuts him out and cuts him off and says listen listen to what he means by that so Falco says quicksand, and then he breaks it down by what he means, saying you're playing and you're thinking everything is going fine. Then one thing hap- then one thing goes wrong, and then another, and another. You try to fight back, but the harder you fight back, the deeper you sink until you can't move. You can't breathe because you're in over your head like quicksand. Like, man, like, Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman doing the backpacking in this movie. And it's awesome and it's amazing. So, does it deserve a sequel? I wouldn't mind a sequel. But it's 20 years overdue. Damn. Did I just say that? Damn, I just realized people born in 2000 are now 20 and I'm old. Ew. But anyways, moving on. Yeah, let's get to it. It would have been cool to have a sequel with Shane gets another shot. And this is what I think. I think it would be cool to have a sequel in which Shane gets another shot with a different team. And now he has a different set of characters to work with. And in the end, he goes up against Washington Sentinels and beats a dog piss out of them. And his rival... And his rival Eddie Martell. I would have liked maybe 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 a sequel like that. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, we did talk about this in text from the script. Well, there's a sequel in the works, but you know, there's no really deep, no true details about it. So, folks, we did it. We're at the end of the show. Hollywood Shuffle. So, I kind of had a hard time trying to find this out, but I feel like this would work. So from for Shane Falco, I have Trevante Rhodes. Trevante Rhodes is mainly popular in Moonlight, The Predator, and Bird Box. And I have him as Shane Falco. I have Samuel L. Jackson as Coach Jimmy McGinty. I have Dwayne The Rock Johnson as linebacker uh, Danny Bateman. And for this, I, I, I kind of threw a curveball here because I want to involve some some real football players. So for Clifford Franklin, I have Randy Moss. Now, I know this kind of doesn't work because Randy Moss has hands and Clifford doesn't. But, you know, it's, it's just buy into it. Let's, let's, let's act this movie out a little bit. Randy, Randy could act, you know. Let's, let's see. I want to I give him his chance. For, for uh, Earl Wilkinson. 
and have OG Eric Berry. You know, it's not fair that you're not signed to a team right now. So come on, come on over to my movie, man. I'll give you a job, you know, and I'll pay you nice with that job too. For rival Eddie Martel, I have Jeremy Renner, mainly known for his role as Hawkeye from the Avengers. I want Jason Statham as Nigel the Leg Gruff. Yeah, I said it. And finally, for my guards, I had a hard time trying to find, like, I had a hard time trying to find these guards, but you know what? I'm, I'm happy with what I got. I'll take Winston Duke as Andre. Winston Duke, uh, what was he? Recently was in Spencer Confidential, the Netflix movie, uh, side by side with Mark Wahlberg and Baku, I believe, from Black Panther. Uh, the husband—I forgot the husband's name—but the husband in in us as well. He he played that character. So, yeah, give me Winston Duke as Andre, and then for Jamal, give me Shaq. Shaq Shaq got some acting credentials out here, right? I just need him as a lineman. Nobody getting past that man. So, that's it. That's the show. We ain't got no more. Coming soon. Is a Christmas special. And I have, I'll go ahead and tell y'all. Part one and part two. Home Alone. And my personal favorite, Jingle All the Way. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next episode.